Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Cubby Wellness Center podcast. As usual, we are so happy that you are here to join us for our conversation today. We are going to be talking about exercise and movement and how our the movement of our bodies ties into our mental health. And of course, this is a very, very popular topic because I don't think there's anyone that's out there that doesn't know how much moving our bodies matters, but it's not a one size fits all. And so we want to talk a little bit about some of the nuance in that conversation from a mental health perspective, from a wellness perspective, and see if we can empower uh, each of you who are listening with a a plan or a next step that might help you um, enter your body into uh, your mental health journey. So today I'm very excited because I have invited my very great friends first um, and colleagues second, I don't know colleagues first, friends second. I don't know how it happened, but (laughs) Julia is here with us and Cheryl is here with us and they are my go-to peer colleagues. So this journey uh, for me between teaching and psychotherapy started with going back to school and getting my master's and Julia and Cheryl. Cheryl in particular was there from the beginning and Julia joined in not long after and we connected and we have been on this road together. So both Julia and Cheryl own their own practices. Julia practices out of Brockville, Ontario, and Cheryl practices out of Guelph, Ontario. And so um, they have come to join this conversation. And so we've had many conversations that were not recorded about this topic and all feel very passionately about bringing it um, to you folks as a helpful conversation for you to think about your mindsets around movement and where movement and exercise fit in to your to your self-care plan. So Julia and Cheryl, welcome to the podcast. Later in the podcast, we'll let you know where you can find Julia and Cheryl and how to follow along with the work that they're doing or get connected with them. But for now, we want to jump right into the topic at hand. Um, And I'm going to ask Cheryl to start us off on this one, because I think our conversation around this recently, the light bulb, I guess, for us to think about having this conversation here on the podcast and how helpful that would be. So Cheryl, can you tell us a little bit about how you would define some of the language around exercise and movement um, as it relates to say the fitness world versus the mental health world? And tell us about some of the distinctions you make for yourself and for your clients in in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just hearing those two words Um, can bring up different things for people right off the top. When I hear the word exercise, it brings up images uh, for me of kind of like my history and my relationship with exercise. And um, the language around exercise has been uh, typically pretty rigid, pretty focused on the idea that it's, it's an all or nothing kind of a thing. And that, you know, if we're going to benefit from it, we really need to immerse ourselves. We need to go hard. We have to um, not skip a day. So exercise has this sort of, um, uh, yeah, I guess, rigidity around it. And um, whereas movement, when I hear that term, I, I have a whole different set of images that come up for me. And, you know, when I think of movement, I'm thinking about more being in tune with what I actually feel like doing that day. And of course, movement and exercise, um, neither of those things are bad things. The body is meant to move. We are 
built to use this wonderful physical form that we inhabit. Um, but it's just sort of like when, again, you hear certain terms such as movement and exercise, it can bring up certain feelings about how you approach that activity and how you feel about yourself, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is crucial in terms of our mental health and how we treat ourselves when we are in the activity of a movement, when we are in the activity of something that we would more likely call exercise. Mm-hmm. So, it, so it sounds to me like what's coming to mind as a similar comparison would be that the difference between a budget and a spending plan. Right. So it feels mm-hmm. like a budget, there's this sort of punitive negative connotation mm-hmm. to that language that feels kind of like we're going to fall into some sort of reprimand or mm-hmm. uh, problem if we don't keep to our budget, you know, versus a spending plan where it's like we're, we're choosing how we want to spend our money. We have agency over that. We have the freedom and control over that. So it's sort of this, this, um, the difference, like I like how you said the difference in how it feels to you, even just to use the language around movement versus exercise. And that may not be the same connotation for every person in how they feel about exercise, but there is certainly um, a, a sort of hustle culture, you know, push that body into submission, um, you know, work it until it hurts, you know, kind of fitness culture mentality that's not really always conducive to uh, an approach that's, that benefits your mental health. It can create some really negative feedback loops where um, mm-hmm. you, know, you have a lot of self-criticism, you have a lot of um, reproach. I just had a conversation with a client the other day who was in a program where she was measuring, they were not talking about, they wouldn't talk about weight, but they were talking about measurements. So they would measure her legs and arms. And if that wasn't falling into line, it feels just horrible you know, um, to have that report. And she had been consistently working out and doing things, but that her body was not falling in line. And so it Mm -hmm. was, it was very damaging to how she was feeling about her self image. And I think there's, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that doesn't relate to that kind of a feedback loop. And so the problem with that though, is sometimes then people will like be averse to exercise entirely and not mm-hmm. step into movement mm-hmm. and not find a way to move their bodies. And so that's, that's mm-hmm. the opposite extreme as well, right? Because they're not looking for that. So Julia, I wonder if you can chime in with some of your thoughts around this language and this culture that we're coming up against maybe as mental health professionals related to yeah. body image, exercise, et cetera. Maybe yeah. give us a bit of your Obviously. background as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, my background is, is helpful for this conversation. So um, I am a figure skating coach. I was a competitive figure skater. So um, that type of movement was a big part of my um, youth and adolescence. And I'm also a fitness instructor. And I do enjoy being in a social atmosphere with others as we are moving together to music. Love to dance, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I'm also a psychotherapist. So, um, yeah, the language around in the fitness culture is very achievement oriented, right? Like, can we go faster, um, higher, you know, um, etc. And um, in the mental health world, I think we're, um, especially when we're now in the um, a research time where we're more trauma informed, we are slowing down and going, Hey, how can we be more embodied 
And so this is a place of taking, you know, instead of an objective measure, right, objective measurement of how big my arms are, um, instead of that, it's a subjective sense of what does my body need today? Um how does my body want to move? Maybe I do have a lot of stress, you know, exercise is a part of my stress management. Um, I don't have all the negative associations um, that you're mentioning, Cheryl, attached to exercise, but um, I can understand how people do. Um, But sometimes it is a, a great way to release stress. And sometimes my body needs to be soft and slow and stretching. And um, so it's a tuning, um, having that interoception of what my body needs today. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a huge um, shift that we're, we're trying to be part of people understanding um, uh, that can be very helpful for mm-hmm. them to, to shift that way. Yeah. I love that. And it makes me think of that idea of our locus of control, right? Mm -hmm. Have we externalized that to a program or to someone who is not inside of our body versus have Mm -hmm. we internalized that? And I can give an example from my own experience of sort of where I came up against this. And I, I will just preface it by saying that I think the embodiment and the attunement with what my body is telling me is a fairly recent journey in the course of my life. So you know, I'm 47 and I probably have learned this in the last 10 years. So for almost 40 years of my life, I did not pay attention to the wisdom of my body in a way that was actually healing or helpful for me. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there are a lot of people who are living life highly cognitively, but almost not, I don't want to use dissociated because it's not always dissociative, but just out of touch with Mm -hmm. themselves and with their body. And I remember, you know, going through days of teaching where, you know, I wasn't attuned to whether I was thirsty, whether I had to go to the bathroom, whether I'd eaten anything, whether I'd sat down, whether my shoulders were around my ears, I could do a full day of work. At the end of the day, have all these symptoms, embodied symptoms, headaches and stress and tension and Mm -hmm. thirst and urgency to go to the bathroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't even present to myself in that way. And so I just share that as a way of sort of prefacing this story. But when I left teaching to go back to school to become a therapist, one of the things I wanted to do is like, I want to do something that's kind of like a fitness challenge for myself. I think that'll be motivating. It's a big transition. I want to kind of metabolize that transition for myself. It was a huge decision to leave. It's a big thing to start um, a master's program. And so I thought, well, this will be fun. I'll do a couch to 5k run, Mm. right? I'll use the running app. It'll guide me through my Mm. friend, Joanne and my husband, Jason, we're going to do it with me. I thought this would be great. It'd be social, get my body moving. I've never done anything like this before. And so we started out and any of you who have done that, you know how these apps are set up to tell you like, you know, what day you run, what course. And it's all, it's all very nicely laid out. And I followed it because I'm an Enneagram one mm. <laughs> and I like to follow the rules. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is week three. So these are the runs that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And what I started noticing was my husband and Joanne were getting this traction with it. Like they were starting to get some energy from it and you could see the improvement and their ease with it. And I was like, I felt like I was slogging through molasses. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't get any traction, but I just kept t- my language because of 
me assuming that movement was good. I'm doing this great fitness thing. This has to be good for my body. This, the problem is with me, Mm. right? So my language was, well, I guess I'm just that out of shape. Like, how come I'm such a a slug? Like, what's my problem? Like, I guess I really have let myself go. And all, again, Enneagram ones will identify this as a common thing, but I don't think it's just Enneagram ones that get that negative self-talk. So the thing for me though was I kept going. I kept Mm -hmm. doing it. I kept Mm -hmm. running. I kept following the plan that was external to me and pushing my body and not listening to the responses that I was getting in my body. And I started getting this inflammatory response, which I know now, but I didn't know then. And so then I was gaining weight. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm like doing the thing that's the most healthy thing I've ever done. And my weight is going up. What's happening? And so to make a long story short, I pushed through. I ran the 5K like the slowest of any person out there because my body was like in trauma and in stress, Mm. but I had to push through to that goal. I had to make myself fit the program because Mm. I trusted the program more than my own self. Mm. And I ended up getting my Hashimoto's diagnosis Mm. and alerted to what was happening in my body because Mm. of that action. Mm. Because my doctor's like, well, that shouldn't be happening for you. But instead of really listening and easing back and being embodied about my movement choices, I had externalized that guru to the C25K app. And that's mm-hmm. not going to be everybody's experience. Like obviously Joanne and Jason, who were really, <laughs> they had a very different experience of that, mm-hmm. but I stopped listening to myself. And so I think that's what you're saying, Julia, that there is a lot of body wisdom that mm-hmm. we externalize to whatever it is mm-hmm. and therefore are less attuned to ourselves mm-hmm. and creating loops that maybe are not helpful, not self-compassionate. Mm-hmm. It actually in, you know, it actually propelled me into a lack of health, right? right? In a way that I would never have expected because mm-hmm. I'm running. How can that be bad? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all this mm-hmm. nuance in this conversation. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to, really empower people to think what, how is my body responding to the movement and the choices and how is that affecting how I'm thinking about myself, et cetera. So that's just Mm -hmm. one concrete example. Maybe you guys have other examples and I'd be open to, Mm -hmm. to hearing them. If you have other examples from your own experience of like a mismatch like that, I see Cheryl nodding. Do you have Mm -hmm. anything you could share there? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And I just want to, Note that so much of the language, um, you know, sort of in the fitness industry is about things like no pain, no gain. Uh, mm-hmm. So when we do come up against uh, signals from our body that we will override that in favor of these sort of, like you said, authorities or experts in the field who tell us that we should not listen to that. And um, or that, you know, you shouldn't miss a day because you're going to lose ground and you just have to push through it, whether you're tired, whether your kid was up the mm-hmm. night before. Like there's a lot of, um, yeah, push through it type of uh, languaging that makes us feel like somehow we're lazy if we listen to our body mm-hmm. and we should always follow the plan, whatever that is, which I really think dot, like ties into the dieting mentality as well. And um that all or nothing approach to food where, you know, it's sort of like I have to cut out certain things in my diet in order to be healthy because, um, you know, it's, it's going to work against my fitness routine and create 
fear around food and create guilt and maybe shame if we go ahead and and have some of those foods and feel like Mm -hmm. we've lost all of the kind of like, you know, hard work that we've done in whatever Mm -hmm. area of fitness we might be working in. So, Mm -hmm. so that is something to be aware of. And I always encourage my clients to develop a mental filter so that they can kind Mm -hmm. of catch these little things as they're coming in. And I think we all just sort of hear it and assume that, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense kind of on a, a certain level, maybe on a, like that we've all been sort of brainwashed a little bit into this thinking that Mm -hmm. more is better and that, you know, you shouldn't listen to your body because we're all inherently lazy and you have to push past it. And um, that that's really not the case, of course, as your Mm -hmm. example, you know, really Mm -hmm. outlined so well, Sarah, and thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think uh, for myself, when I was going through yoga instructor training, I, uh, you know, we have to, of course, learn all the poses, but I was at a point in my life where I was really um, very exhausted, actually. I was working uh, a job with shift work and overnights, and there was a lot of uh, things going on in my life in general, a lot of mental stress, a lot of emotional stress, which was really hard on my body. But I don't think we, you know, generally as a society, take that into account in terms of just mm-hmm. the the load that that can put on us and the energy that that takes from us. And so even with yoga, which I think most people, unless they're doing sort of like power yoga or hot yoga, do not really consider an intensive type of fitness or movement activity. You know, I was finding myself, even the standing poses were too much. I was just needing to lie on my back in the evening when I was working on my homework and my practicing my yoga poses. Like I was really finding the standing poses were actually too much. And so I told my uh, trainer about this and she said, and she was actually really great because you don't often hear this. And she said, well, Cheryl, you just need to do the lying down poses because your body is just too exhausted. And I mm-hmm. felt such a wave of relief when I heard her say that, like just have mm-hmm. actually to be given permission to, mm-hmm. to not push myself past what my body was telling me and past what my mm-hmm. energy requirements were actually available to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So, yeah whole different message that's a great example because again it's not there's a there's a sort of sense of that voice in fitness culture that's very like very driven um you know i sort of get the boss babe vibes from that it's like take control and um there's a high energy piece but i don't i think that there are more and more voices Mm-hmm. in the fitness world that are are pushing back on that themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to hear more of that. And maybe uh, I wonder if Julia, you could talk about that from your perspective, because I know you do mm-hmm. movement at your center, mm-hmm. but that is informed by you also being a psychotherapist and your own story. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk a little bit about your journey, because mm-hmm. I would say that your journey as an athlete and, mm-hmm. a, and a fitness trainer, mm-hmm. there are some elements there that are, that are important to understand um, other differences, I guess, in in how people might need movement in different ways, right? Than sort of a gentle approach in terms of my story. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, a figure skating coach, or is it um, very involved with um, precise movement? As a fitness instructor, we're very we're educated in moving safely, right? So safe biomechanics, so trained in that. And then as a therapist trained in um, 
how can I uh, be attuned as we've been talking about to what's going on in my body and, and then what movements can support um, emotion moving out, right. And help in emotion processing um, and help even settling the mind to um, and developing trust in the body, like that I could experience my body. And so our Mm -hmm. mindful movement and trauma-informed yoga classes at our wellness studio um, are about that of um, developing trust with the body um, and space to know and learn about that. Um, And then also um, incorporating some gentle um, martial arts movement because a sense of empowerment from within is also important, right? Like mm-hmm. that, um, my body can act to keep me safe. That's right. My Very body empowering. is strong. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's the, lots of nuance and, and lots here about, um, how we can support people and in our case clients to, um, understand and work with our body, not against it. Yeah. Right. And looking for the movement that's appropriate to what's happening, just like, mm-hmm. you know, Cheryl, you had shared at that time when you were doing your yoga teacher training, your body was under a lot of distress. Mm-hmm. And so the gentleness and restorative, you know, mat based poses were what your body was longing for. And that was appropriate to that stage. And I think there's also things that are appropriate to di- different people's uh, mobility considerations, mm-hmm. your age and what's happening in your body. I know for a lot of women, like there's a huge change that comes somewhere around 40 in terms of how your body responds to movement and what kind of movement works for you, if you will, you know? Mm-hmm. And so being, pre- being able to say, you know, I used to do this, but now this is what my body or I'm noticing this. And so I want to build something that responds to that. Not just, I'm going to work the same program. I've always tried to work and expect Mm. the same results because your Mm -hmm. body changes circumstantially with age, with um, life experience, with what it needs. Like even something as simple as the need for more muscle building over cardio as you age, like that's sort of a commonly known shift in women's bodies and so how do you incorporate that and what does that look like for for you with your own sense of self and embodiment and trusting that your body will show you what it needs will guide you will you'll be attuned Mm. enough to it to know um Mm -hmm. how it's responding and not like me like dismissing the responses i'm getting Mm. right um and not listening to it and not adjusting to that right because in the same way you mentioned, Cheryl, with diet, you know, we we can just pay attention to how our body's responding and attend to that, right? In all these ways, we have a lot of wisdom there available to us. And if we're if we're noticing that instead of externalizing that, that's going to be really empowering. But I love what you're saying, Julia, because maybe some, there's a candidate who might want all of those different things that you're offering. Right. But there's, there also will be people who are like, this is what I really need in this season. I need Mm -hmm. to take the stress out of my body or I need to feel empowered and strong. Or I know you have mentioned before, Julia, like there, there are situations where for some people like an aggressive workout, I don't know if that's the right word or an intense workout or Mm -hmm. like going hard, you know, vigorous, there we go. Mm -hmm. Um, 
could be exactly what the body needs. And that may not always be what it needs, but it, it might need that to, to move cortisol and adrenaline through the system, you know, yeah. um, for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. And yeah. Um, clients that I have that were doing, you know, deeper trauma processing, um, sometimes that happens, right? Where the body now needs to move and because that was stored for, you know, over yeah. time. Yeah. And now the body's saying, oh, I, I can move now. And so to, to allow it to, because uh, as we understand in trauma, something so overwhelming was happening that the person was frozen, right? So there's mm-hmm. this trapped energy. And so sometimes mm-hmm. in therapy, we're mm, unlocking that. And so yeah. it needs a, it needs a place to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think about like how the body metabolizes all the things, right? Experiences, yeah. emotions, and movement is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And knowing what kind of movement is going to help. I think we even mm-hmm. sense that, like when we have that mm-hmm. sort of intense, almost nervous energy, it's like, I got to walk. I got to, you know, we have this mm-hmm. almost a pace, the pacing, I would call it instinct. Where mm-hmm. it's like, I just got to move, you know, it's like something's got to move here. Mm-hmm. Um, and to listen to that in the same way that we would listen to the gentleness. So there's just so much, there's so much scope here. And if we are responding in ways that are attuned to our bodies, we're going to benefit from that movement. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a rigid program where every day, this is what has to happen for my body. Yeah. You it doesn't have to, have to happen in a certain place either. That's right. right. Like, or at a there's certain the great outdoors. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I was talking with a, um, a client about self-compassion and what that sounds like. And I said, one of the most powerful phrases I think in self-compassion is it's okay, mm-hmm. right? It's okay for me to rest. It's okay for me to move. It's okay. If I don't go to the gym today, it's okay. If I do go today, you know, it's okay. If I need more sleep. Cause I do think that's a big challenge too, is that sometimes mm-hmm. there's this compromising of sleep yeah. You know, I know that a lot of, um, a lot of fitness for a lot of people happens and you hear people, you know, mm-hmm. heading to the gym at four or five or, you know, mm-hmm. um, AM, which mm-hmm. means that unless they're getting to bed very, very early, which some mm-hmm. of them are, I think, you know, people mm-hmm. who are really dedicated to that rhythm, they yeah. absolutely are. But a lot of people are shortchanging sleep yes. in favor of movement. And then those trade-offs, again, we have to navigate that. Do you guys have any thoughts about that relationship with movement and sleep uh, that might be helpful for people? Mm-hmm. Well, I Cheryl? think sleep is, yeah, absolutely. I think sleep is essential and we're just learning more and more about um, the value of sleep in our lives. I think it has been something that's been underrated and kind of like, well, you know, just wake up 15 minutes earlier so that you can do more in the morning and be more efficient. And I believe this is all connected to the hustle culture and being like very goal oriented in our lives and this desire that, you know, if you just push yourself a little harder, you're going to get there. Uh, so there's all kinds of languaging around like the success and accomplishment and productivity kind of model out there for us uh, in our generation. And mm-hmm. this idea that really sleep is something we can forego, something that's just not that necessary uh, mm-hmm. in favor of these other accomplishment oriented type of activities. Again, whether mm-hmm. that's just, you know, being able to make our days uh, more efficient or whatever. So, so sleep definitely gets sacrificed 
And it's, it's very, very unfortunate because sleep is so vital. This is where we rest, restore. This is where the parasympathetic nervous system comes on board. This is where, um, you know, so much, uh, the vital activity of recuperating from our very busy, um, pretty stressful lives for the most part, um, you know, that, that takes place. So, so that's super important. Mm -hmm. And, um, Additionally, I think something that gets very overlooked in our society today is just even the concept of rest, which is different from sleep. Yes. So, yeah, rest is um, really kind of about the white space. Um, you know, if we want to think about our, our daily calendar or agenda, like just having time in there where we're not having any expectations on ourselves and where we can just simply be uh, mm -hmm. without having to do this, I think, is really vital for the mind. And it's it doesn't even have to be, you know, and hopefully isn't structured. I mean, we can think of like meditative practices giving us some of that as well. But true rest is where you're not imposing anything upon yourself. You're not expecting anything of yourself. Mm -hmm. Simply mm -hmm. being there and tuning in to what do I feel like doing or not right now? And no pressure, whatever that happens to be, which again, really engages the parasympathetic part of our nervous system mm -hmm. and allows for all kinds of wonderful things. I think if we can just mm -hmm. stay with it, it can be, it actually can be very scary to do nothing for a while during the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of guilt can show up. A lot of like anxiety can show up. It's like, oh, I'm doing nothing right now. Like think of all the things I could be getting done. I right. The shoulds. My, I should yes, be this. I or, should be yeah. doing this. Yes. And we all have a, a big to-do list a mile long. So mm -hmm. it can be kind of, um, you know, anxiety producing to actually mm -hmm. let ourselves just be during the day and not mm -hmm. do anything or do whatever, you know, kind of our inner promptings are telling us to do. And I think that really goes for sleep because, because we are in a very kind of, uh, you know, high pressure, high stress, and there's nothing wrong with a little bit of stress and pressure. I mean, I think those things are are normal for us to to move forward, and and it, we all want to do things, and we have to be places and be on time, and and that's all to the good to a certain degree. But again, I think this other part of us has been overlooked, so it can be very hard to fall asleep, and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we're not getting to sleep on time. We're going to bed. Maybe we're going to bed at a at a good time, so to speak, like that fits with our own circadian rhythms, but we're lying in bed awake because of these long to-do lists or because we feel like, you know, we didn't do enough in our fitness routine perhaps, or mm -hmm. there's just so much going on in our minds. And I really think that resting during the day and having just, if we can bring it down a notch or two and just decompress a little bit during the day here and there that, um, yeah, I think that does impact our sleep better. Mm -hmm. And we'll certainly um, change the the quality that we bring to our own fitness routines or our movement routines. Underrated for sure. And I think about too, you know, there, I do think that when people are being mindful, there are days, like even in, in fitness programs, there are days that are designated for rest and yeah. people will often push through those days. Mm -hmm. And yet, even from a, like a fitness standpoint, mm -hmm. this is a day that you should let your body heal and let your muscles yeah. relax and not overwork them. And I think we have a tendency, like if we, you know, to buy into like, if we can 
we should, like we should just because we can do another workout and Mm. we're not noticing the impact of that. And we're pushing into that or like, well, we're, I can get up at six, even though I'm really not feeling Mm. rested Mm. and in order to do my workout or whatever, instead of listening again, what does the body need? Maybe that's part of the all or nothing thinking too, where, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are like, if I don't get out for my walk or run or workout in the morning, then that's it. Like there'll be no movement Mm. for me today, right? Mm. That's the only window. And really having more flexible thinking around that too, to say, Mm -hmm. how can I integrate that? Maybe I can go for a 10 minute walk on my lunch break. Maybe after work, I can do something that was unexpected. Maybe tonight before bed, I can do some stretching. You know, um, maybe I can ask my friend that I was meeting up with if she wants to go for a walk before we go out for dinner. You know, thinking about ways to, even if our routine has to be adjusted, we have that flexibility mm-hmm. to move things around and just prioritize what our body needs and be mm-hmm. fluid with that and not have that rigidity like you were saying, Cheryl. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's so interesting. Julia, what have you got to yeah. say on that? Oh um, yeah. I just wanted to spin off a couple of comments there about um, that, that I think of often when people, you know, make these goals of, okay, I'm going to set up this workout routine in my life and it's going to be amazing. And, um, but not have like all the physiological science. It's like they're, um, setting themselves up for like an Olympic routine, like fitness routine, but not having the science to tell them, right? Oh, and this is how you heal from this injury. Oh, and your your leg muscles just got shredded this day. You need four days off, right? From leg, right? Work, right? Like we do, <laughs> we're it's like we're pretending we're this elite athlete going to train like rigidly, like like they are. Um, but then not with the other resources around us. And somehow, right. you know, we're going to come out of that in a, in a wonderful place. And so it just doesn't happen. Right. So I have a wrist injury and um, that I have from karate and it uh, I have to watch myself. Right. Because I, I have grown up in a, a sport culture in the nineties when it was um, uh, if, if it's feeling okay, like, let's just get out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) um, a lot of people like um, I know three figure skaters who have had major concussions and are still suffering symptoms today because um, we didn't have the awareness then about caring for our brain health. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, that spills over into mental health challenges. Right. Mm -hmm. So caring now that we have some more research out there about how to care for ourselves. Like let's, let's not ignore it. Mm-hmm. So and just set ourselves up for like long-term game gains and, and enjoying the movement. Because um, if I set up the program for myself and I'm not enjoying it, like, oof, like I'm going to burn out quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. With how many people burn out in four to six, six weeks. Um, I worked at a gym. So, you know, we know the stats of people join in the fall and in January and, and we get them for about six weeks. So we want to, <laughs> yeah. in, in the gym culture, right. Create opportunities where they want to stay and they're feeling like it's a, you know, that's the place they want to be. But um, setting yourself up, like, as you said, like small chunks, right? I'm a big fan of tiny habits. So what can yes. you do for two to five minutes, right? Because we need to get over that 
excuse part of our brain sometimes of, oh, but this and that, and like the long list of things you mentioned, Carol. And so, but can I go out for five minutes? Right. And, and maybe it's with a friend and maybe it, you know, it can incorporate other parts of your life. The other thing I wanted to mention the, before we're in a time today is just the, um, the, the attack on play, <laughs> playful movement mm-hmm. that really, you know, occurred probably when we were growing up, right? And uh, if you had those 80s um, gym class assessments where we had to do, remember, 50 push-ups and mm-hmm. 100 sit-ups or something, right? And they would take them off and and oh my goodness, <laughs> like I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I still like physical, like uh you should get those badges, like those yes, and you get part, badges, yeah, participation or something, oh, badges, yeah. you know, gold, silver, bronze. Yeah. I think yeah. they had good intentions, but like it just went to a fear-based motivation, yeah. right? Like I don't want to be humiliated in gym yeah. class, right? Yeah. And then what happens is the, the people who do feel rejected, right? Like, um, I'm going to play sick or whatever. Right. And then right. they just, and yeah. or this like, isn't for me. Like, and it's not for me. me. Right. Yeah. But like movements for everybody. And yes. like the best, the funnest movement I'm having is with my two and four year old, right. Jumping on the trampoline, hanging them upside down, right. Rolling around with them. Yeah. Um, if we take play out of movement, you know, and that's, I think the negative associations of exercise and fitness, right? There's, if yeah. I don't think there's play there, I don't want to be part of that. Right yeah. now, it's just a rigid military thing. And yeah. why do I want to be involved in that um, five days a week for the rest of my life? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a certain appeal to that, that whole militant approach, like you were talking about, Julia. Um, because it feels like it's going to give us something. It feels like it's going to help us to lose weight if that's our goal or to mm-hmm. somehow be um, stronger or that, that this is the only way to do it. And absolutely not. I mean, I think that, um, and unfortunately, weight loss has been tied to the fitness industry so much, mm-hmm. which I think is unfortunate because people are feeling like um, they're failing if they're not losing weight. And and actually, you know, when we think about our bodies and the fact that we all have a certain set point, which is dictated by our DNA, and that we try to play with that by, um, you know, being less than what our kind of genetically programmed body size and shape is. And we feel like if we're not able to change that or alter that in the way that, you know, maybe aligns with some unrealistic beauty standard, then we mm-hmm. feel bad about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we feel like, well, I should just quit mm-hmm. doing this because I can't do it to the degree or the intensity or amount that I need to do. So I'm just not going to do it at all. And that's really, you know, it's unfortunate because of course, again, our bodies are meant to move and movement does bring us so many mental health benefits in terms of, of sleeping better, better, probably mood, better, um, energy levels, motivation, mental clarity. There's so many benefits Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But when it becomes something that, again, is militant, like you were saying, then I I think that we feel like we're failing and Mm -hmm. uh, we're just not doing it right. And we feel like, oh, well, you know, because I had that chocolate bar, then I've, I've really screwed it up. 
or because mm-hmm. I didn't exercise every day or get up at six and go for an hour and a half or five or four mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. because I didn't do whatever was this externally prescribed thing that someone else that worked mm-hmm. for them said that I should do for me, then I feel like I haven't done it right. And, mm-hmm. and now, so now I'm not going to do anything. And, and that's yeah. really a loss, right? Like, I think it needs to be defined on our own terms where we do listen to our own internal cues, like to set markers and goals for ourselves that really are not based on appearance or Mm -hmm. uh, a measuring tape or a number on a scale. I think that those things really need to be thrown out pretty Mm -hmm. much entirely, if I can say that, because I think that they can be um, making us feel like we just aren't doing it right. And there is no right or wrong. It's really yeah. like, mm-hmm. what is right for you? What feels good for you? And going more to that interoceptive place you were saying, Julia, of, of how does this feel for me right now? Mm-hmm. Letting that be our guiding principle. Yeah, like maybe I am sleeping better. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I maybe I am feeling um, like I can manage stress a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, like those are going to be really long lasting um, types of goals and um, that I think are sustainable. Mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to kind of fight against biology. And who's to say, because absolutely not, like doesn't really matter your body size, fitness exists, health and cardiovascular health and all of that exists in all shapes and sizes. It has, we have this association that if you are a certain size, a certain muscularity, a certain, you know, whatever, that that means you're fit. And that's not the case. Every Fitness belongs to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. has access to it, and how you mm-hmm. look is no indication of your fitness level. Mm-hmm. So those yeah. are things I just want to put out there because they're associations that we make, and I think it can keep us out of these certain arenas where maybe we want to enter, maybe we want to enter a gym, maybe mm-hmm. we want to en- go on a uh, with a walking group. Maybe there's things that we really want to be doing more and being involved with, but we feel like, well, my body doesn't fit that standard of the bodies that happen to be inhabiting that mm-hmm. arena. So therefore mm-hmm. I'm, I can't join until I get my body to be looking like that particular mm-hmm. unrealistic mm-hmm. standard. Yeah. Yeah. I would love it if one of the takeaways from this conversation is for people to disentangle the connection between movement and body shape or image or mm-hmm. weight loss. And just to think about, how you're moving your body for overall wellness that doesn't have that goal of making your body look a certain way or mm-hmm. measure a certain way or weigh a certain way. You know, I, I think that that's, I think that first of all, it's inaccurate, mm-hmm. right? Because there's so many people who are, who are pushing their bodies, you know, really to the brink and, and contributing stressfully in the name of weight loss and they're not getting the weight loss and they just keep pushing, right? And so I think it's really important to look at those two things separately. And of course, that's a huge conversation for another podcast, maybe, but um, around you know body image and, mm-hmm. and food and nutrition and how that all affects um, our, our wellness. But I would I think to think about movement for movement's sake, mm-hmm. separate from that right? As a care for your body, not a beating your body into submission for the purpose of its external view, you know, mm-hmm. to other people. Mm-hmm. I think we really need to liberate, I think everyone, but particularly mm-hmm. women, it seems to me that, that that's a, a 
very strong motivator for women as to why they're they're at the gym. Like I got to get my body to look a certain way and they have, they're not just listening to how they feel, you know? And I think when people make that transition, they start to really feel like their fitness is more aligned, right? Mm -hmm. When they're like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm doing this movement because it feels good in my body. I don't Mm -hmm. have those, you know, all that tension that I carry on my shoulder because I've started doing this. And I also think there's so many ways, like find your people, find your environments. There's, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. it's not a one size fits all, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and some, and I don't even think gyms are the same. Like I think Mm -hmm. different gyms feel different ways to different people. And so, you know, don't, don't give up. If you go to one gym and the culture there is not what you are looking for, there may be another space that has, you know, a different environment, a different vibe, a different approach that aligns more with what your needs are. And, you know, I often think about like, for me, I'm not someone who wants my fitness to be on display for others. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a highly social person, but it's not comfortable for me to exercise in front of other people. That's something that I want to do on my own with the exception of maybe like walking. Right. And so, you know, we've done things like here with Nancy at, at Covey Wellness Center. She's our yoga coach and she does one-on-one coaching. So it's highly tailored to what your specific needs are. You don't have to have the intimidation of going to a class and classes work for lots of people, but they don't work for everybody. Again, it's Mm -hmm. not one size, but if you're like, I don't know how to get into yoga without going to a class, but I know I have these limitations in my movement. You know, that's why we have decided this is how we want to offer yoga here at Covey Wellness Center. It's Mm -hmm. a one-on-one coaching where she builds specific programs for your particular needs, for your body with, with the limitations and rigidities and injuries and, you know, and flexibilities that you might have. So you don't have to feel intimidated at all. Right. So there's lots of different approaches to this to help empower you, because I do think having people around you have positive mindsets about movement, you know, and who are going to encourage you to listen to your body and, Mm -hmm you know, not put pressure on you because you didn't show up to the gym class that morning when you decided to sleep in. Like there's just an acceptance of you are governing your own movement and your own choices, you know, and feeling really not that externalized pressure. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. So thinking about all those things, I know for me, I love to, I love to move my body outside because of the dual like, I don't like to be on machines. I don't like mm-hmm. to walk on treadmills. I, if I'm going to walk, I want to be outside doing it because of the, the way that nature impacts that experience for me. So that's something that's really important. That's not true for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So again, just really considering the factors that are going to contribute to your wellness as it relates to movement is super important. So I know we could go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. We have lots of things to say, but maybe I would just ask, is there any you know, other maybe like point that you would want to share either from your personal experience or from working with clients around body movement that you would just want to, to sort of offer our listeners as um, like a tip or something to consider, you know, as a, as a final thought on this, anything that's kind of bubbling up to the surface for you, maybe Cheryl, looks like you've got something there. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that, um, you know, like Julie was saying, um, to keep it fun. A lot of the the joy has gone out of movement for us because the word exercise, when I hear that word right away, I think like, oh, hard work, 
um, sweating out energy intensive. Yeah. Yeah. And again, there's a time and place for that. And that's not a bad thing per se, but it seems like it's always associated with that. And, and that games, sports, um, you know, Mm -hmm. lacrosse, some of these like earlier things that, uh, you know, people were doing together for fun. They weren't thinking about, Oh, I'm going to get fit and do this. They were just Mm -hmm. doing it because they wanted to spend time with other people moving their bodies, laughing, enjoying each other. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be competitive. It can just mm-hmm. be, we're mm-hmm. all out here sharing time and and keeping it recreational, keeping it mm-hmm. so that it's it's a really positive, fun experience where, again, you're not comparing yourself to other people. You're just doing it because you want to spend time and have fun moving your body. Yeah, and in, the enjoyment of that, the enjoyment that the ability to move our bodies provides. Right. Like I went right to swimming at Charleston Lake when you said that. I'm like, that is just fun for me. I love that feeling in the water. I love to move my body that way. I'm not a great swimmer. I don't have these perfect, like this perfect form or like this stroke. I'm not measuring like, you know, how many laps I'm doing or things like that. I'm just going because I enjoy being on the lake. I love everything I see. I love being close mm. to the loons. I love looking at the stuff on the shoreline. Like mm-hmm. I love the feeling of what, like it's, it's, it's joyful. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And our bodies, you know, in that, whatever those things are, I mean, that's just the one that came to mind for me, but whatever those things are for you, that's going to be a motivating factor. And that's going to enhance mental health as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you're feeling like it's a punitive thing that you've got to go to the gym, use it to put in your time, mm-hmm. you're spending an awful lot of your life in a way that doesn't bring you joy, mm-hmm. but you could, you know, put your dance playlist on in the kitchen with your kids at night for half an hour and move your body and dance. And that's going to make a very different impact on your life. And yet you're still moving your body. So yeah, yeah. I love that. So keep the joy, keep the fun. Mm-hmm. Julia, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, about being curious, like what movement activity out there have I not maybe experienced yet? And hey, no time like the present, right? right. So, you know, it, we can get in rigid boxes, whether that's from, I grew up in a sport background and this is how I did things. So this is how I do things now. Or I ran away from phys ed class, never looked back and, you know, walking is what I've experienced. Um, you know, yeah, but there's all kinds of, right. We live in Canada. Um, we have all these, um, we have the great outdoors to do, you know, to play there, the big playgrounds and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, just to be curious about what your body likes to do because, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's other things that it doesn't know about yet. Yeah. Yeah. To be open to new movement, to mixing it up a little bit, to to releasing some of the ways you've done it before, to maybe engage in some new ways that work better or just are interesting or a change or a challenge in the way that your body needs that challenge. So yeah, lots of openness, lots of nuance. Okay. I love this conversation. I hope that people are feeling um, empowered to think about their movement in a really positive way that is attuned to your own embodiment and to the wisdom that's there for you and that you're going to start to be feel excited about incorporating movement um, in in your wellness journey. Um, As a way of wrapping up, we're going to talk about a couple of things. One is I would like to hear from each of you uh, what is keeping you well 
in this season. And then that's the question we're asking everybody in this, in this season two of the podcast, what's keeping you well, whether it's movement related or not. And also tell the listeners a little bit about where they can follow along with the work that you're doing or get connected with you or your practice. Um, if you could do that, that'd be great. Julia, I'll throw it to you first. And then Cheryl, you sure. can tell us after. Yeah, what's keeping me well in this fall season of 2023 um, would be cozy conversations on our cozy couch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so just um, having friends over and and having space to to be with each other and um, yeah, in a lovely, you know, restful environment. So that's keeping me well. Oh, I love that. That sounds yeah. great. I want to come to your couch and have one of those conversations. <laughs> what about you, Cheryl? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love getting together with friends at this time, going for long walks with friends with the fall colors and the cool breezes and the brisk air and just being in the moment with people as we move through this gorgeous season of autumn. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm also noticing that I'm, I'm going to my mat quite a bit more in the evenings with just uh, the, you know, these shorter days. And, and uh, I feel like I, I really want to be inside exercising a little bit more in the evening and, uh, mm -hmm. but getting outside on those nice bright days. Mm -hmm. You know, what's coming to mind for me is that this is, this is a transitional season for a lot of people. And so their, their routines with exercise may change. I know it's changing for me related to how dark it is in the morning when I normally mm -hmm. like to go for my walk on the trail, I have to switch that up. And so again, just speaks to being flexible, even as mm -hmm. the seasons change with how we approach our wellness in general, movement and otherwise, what do I need? I need the cozy of this season to curl up on the couch. I need the ability to be outside to take in that crisp air and see the beauty of this season and embracing that. And that that's going to keep like things do always keep changing. So to have that flexibility with how we approach it is great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me where we can find you and we'll put this in the show notes as well. So if you're listening and you're driving in your car or on your, on your walk, maybe or something, we will put these things in the show notes so you can find Julia and Cheryl. What's the best way to find you, Julia? Yeah. So our practice is called life and hope wellness. So you can find us online life and hope wellness.com mm -hmm. and same name on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Great. And Cheryl, what about you? I am in Guelph and uh, I see people online and in person and you can find my website at lairdcounselingservices.ca and on Instagram, Laird Counseling. And okay. yeah. Great. So Laird, L-A-I-R-D, uh, that's Cheryl's last name. And so again, we'll, we'll put those in the show notes for people to follow up. I do hope that you have found this conversation helpful and encouraging to you on your journey and within your relationship with movement and mental health. Um, of course, if you are looking for someone to support you in that, Julia and Cheryl and I are absolutely here to have those conversations with you. And of course, all of the good um, counselors here at Covey Wellness Center as well are um, open to hearing from you and supporting you in building a practice that really listens to your body wisdom. Um, and you can reach us, as many of you know, CoveyWellnessCenter.com and in all the places, Covey Wellness Center. Or if you're local, pop in. Pop in and check out the wellness shop and say hello. And by all means, share and like 
um, this uh, podcast in wherever, whatever platform you listen. And if you feel it'd be helpful for someone else, um, we really appreciate you letting people know. We want to make these resources available to support people in their health and wellness. So mm-hmm. we would love it if you did that. So thanks again, Julia and Cheryl. I look forward to future conversations here and otherwise with you too. Thanks for taking your time to share with us and uh, stay tuned for upcoming upcoming uh, uh, podcasts as well in the near future. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.